Insights on Responsible Business is a podcast about organizations building trust, security, and resilience to thrive in an era of stakeholder capitalism. Our host is Sir Rob Wainwright, who talks with business leaders and experts about their experiences in charting a new direction to what is commercial success and greater societal impact. Our special guest today is Frank Lemmick, Executive Vice President, Finance, Integrated Gas Renewables and Energy Solutions at the international energy company Shell. Frank has over 29 years of experience in finance, of which almost two decades has been with Shell. Today, Rob and Frank are here to talk about the challenging position of the gas multinational when it comes to its role and responsibility around energy security, its driving force with regard to the energy transition, the dilemmas that Shell faces, and the reflection of these on its purpose and agenda. Over to you, Rob. Thank you, Vaidehi. Welcome to you, Frank. Indeed, it's a warm welcome as we record this podcast on this cold autumn morning here in the Netherlands. Yes, winter is coming, it seems. And heating systems are firing up, of course, across millions of homes again, um, at a time in which the security and affordability of our energy supply for domestic homes, but also businesses, of course, is more at risk perhaps than any time in the recent past. Due largely, of course, to the geopolitical turmoil we have here on the continent. Um, And alongside this, there remains this perennial urgent need for the world to tackle the effects of climate change. Well, Frank, from your vantage point in one of the largest energy producers in the world, we're going to dive into those challenges and dilemmas today. They're just uh, a few difficult ones to talk about, but I'm sure we can make real, real progress. So let's start with energy security. This crisis this winter in Europe going to have these profound impacts. A lot of people are worried about it. Maybe it's also giving rise to a cost of living crisis. What does that all mean for Shell? It is indeed a a serious crisis. Uh, And many families uh, across Europe are impacted, uh, both by uh, the fear for energy security. Will there be enough gas to heat our homes uh, and to cook our dinners? Um, But also the energy prices, of course, uh, which have been... Uh, rising incredibly uh, up and down uh, over the past few months, um, which which is a scary outlook uh, for many in Europe. Um, and what's most important is we are working with governments in the first place uh, to understand how they assess the situation, what they believe is needed, uh, and we can uh, work with them uh, to make sure that the right interventions are being made. And, and governments are taking action. And the most important thing is, of course, that they are diversifying their sources of supply, gas supply in particular, uh, away from Russia uh, and trying to tap into other sources of gas supply, either through pipelines into Europe or through uh, liquid natural gas. And that is where Shell comes in. Uh, We are uh, a big gas player uh, in the world, uh, a big player in in LNG, liquid natural gas. Um, And we are working actively with many governments uh, across Europe uh, and private enterprises to provide the additional pipeline gas, uh, fill up the storages uh, in the various places in Europe, uh, but also find ways of bringing liquid natural gas to Europe uh, and get it into the uh, the pipeline system uh, that, that is operating there. This must be... Uh you know, an enormous challenge, logistical uh, challenge, a business challenge for, for Shell, you know, to because, you know, many, many parts of Europe are so dependent on, on gas from Russia. Um, how well constructed as a business is Shell to, to accommodate these urgent requests from government to suddenly switch maybe to, to other, other sources of, of supply? 
Ja, so Shell is, uh, is we're a big uh, gas play, gas trader in the world. Uh, and we have many sources of supply which we can redirect. The, the problem, the bottleneck is often that the infrastructure is not there. So it is not uh, easy to, uh, to gear up quickly uh, in bringing liquid natural gas to Europe because you need regasification. Uh, units uh, available and you need to be able to link them in to the gas pipeline system in Europe. So before you can really significantly scale up uh, in bringing liquid, net, liquid natural gas to Europe, uh, investments in infrastructure have to be made. Some of those investments can be made shorter term. For example, uh, in the Netherlands, uh, they have put floating regasification units um, in the north of the Netherlands, uh, and they can be used to bring additional liquid natural gas into the Netherlands, and that can be linked to Germany and other uh, customers uh, elsewhere uh, in, in Europe. Um, but in general, the, the, the infrastructure needs to be changed in order to really accommodate significant additional amounts of gas and liquid natural gas into the system. And that will take time. And that is the tension that we are feeling at the moment. What we can do, of course, and, and many other players with us, uh, is, is work to bring gas from northern Africa through the pipeline system into storages uh, in various places in Europe. And as I said, liquid, liquid natural gas via floating storage units will also help to fill up the storages. That has been done. So many of the storages across Europe have now been filled up more than 90% in line with the government uh, directives. Um, and now the winter is coming and we'll indeed have to see how that will play out and if the storages are sufficient or if additional measures are required. It's really interesting listening to you because it, it's absolutely clear that, that a company like Shell has this massive role to play in serving the interests of society at, at, on the subject that we're talking about here to, to help protect um, our economy and our citizens, keep them warm over winter, as you say. Um, I just wonder, you know, what does that mean in terms of your business outlook? I'm sure you are committed to, to supporting governments to support society and therefore your customers. Are there any business dilemmas? I mean, is it... Are, are there difficult business choices you have to face in terms of, of, of switching to other, other sources? They might not be the most profitable sources, for example. So how do you solve that sort of dilemma of wanting to be the most responsible business for society, but at the same time wanting to be a viable business still? Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's plenty of dilemmas uh, in, in that space. And maybe the best way is, is to go back to our purpose. Uh, and our, our purpose is to, um, uh, to bring more and cleaner energy to the world. Um, yeah. And the dilemma that we're facing at the moment is really a tension between the short term and the longer term. And short term, energy security is at the top of the agenda. And we need to find ways to, to supply gas uh, into the European system to address uh, the energy security needs uh, of, of governments and uh, the, the population in Europe. But at the same time, the longer term solution uh, is also to invest in the energy transition and to invest in renewable uh, energies. And so our dilemma is how do we balance investment in the short-term need in order to provide the gas needs to Europe, but also the rest of the world. Uh, and gas is here to stay. The demand for gas will continue to grow uh, as the economy picks up, as Asia will pick up growth again. Uh, so we do expect in the next few decades that the gas demand will continue to increase. And we need to invest and to prepare for that situation to continue to be a strong player. At the same time, we need to, and we believe that the energy transition needs, needs to accelerate and we need to invest in new renewable energy value chains um, that can um, uh, sustainably 
serve the energy needs of the world in the longer term. And, and that is the dilemma that we face every day. What do we invest where? How fast do we go on gas to provide energy security needs now? How fast do we invest in renewable energy sources so that in five to ten years' time more green energy can be supplied? I mean, a great dilemma, a great social dilemma as well, as well as a business one. Uh, we might come back to how you balance those two shortly. But let's, let's first focus on, on, on energy transition. Um, and again, you know, this, is, this has been a priority, a, a rising priority for us all uh, for a long time now. And a great expectation perhaps falls on Shell because of your size and scale and your ability to influence the market. What does your low carbon strategy look like at the moment? Yeah, so, so our low-carbon low strategy is very clear. And we've been one of the first to go out that by 2050, uh, we want to be a net zero emissions company. Uh, and that's what we will be. That is our commitment. Um, in addition, which means that across scope one, two, and scope three, uh, the scope three is the, the carbon uh, emitted by our customers uh, through, through our products. Uh, across all those, uh, we want to be net zero. That's our commitment. At the same time, in terms of shorter term commitments, we have said we want to reduce our scope one emissions. So the emissions that are under our operational control by 50% uh, by 2030. Uh, that's what we're focusing on right now. Uh, and uh, in order to, to get there, what we need to do is indeed to shift the balance of our business gradually um, uh, more towards the, 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 the energy transition uh, products, mm. if you like. So we are investing heavily in green power uh, value chains. We're investing in hydrogen value chains. We're investing in carbon capture and storage uh, value chains. Some of them are really early days, eh, like hydrogen, that will take a long time for markets to develop. But green power, of course, is today. Uh, and just to give you an example how we operationalized that in the uh, last year, uh, we have acquired uh, a significant green power company uh, in the US uh, who, who um, uh, develops solar uh, platforms uh, as a source of uh, green power for, the, for, for industry, but also for private customers. And recently we acquired uh, a, big, a similar platform in India um, uh, where we're going to develop significant solar and wind uh, platforms in India uh, to supply uh, industrial customers in particular uh, with green power. Give us a scale, Frank, a size of the scale of green power at the moment. I guess it's, it's a, a relatively very small part of, of the overall scene at the moment. Is that right? Yeah, that's absolutely right. Uh, I mean, you look ac across uh, Europe, but also the US uh, and in Asia, uh, and green power is still uh, a relatively small percentage of the overall power that is supplied. And it needs to increase. But that will not happen overnight. Uh, this is really um, a play over the next decades um, where Shell and other companies uh, need to invest uh, in, uh, in green power value chains. And we will not be able to do that alone. That is important and, and, and an important notion. Um, and when you want to make these value chains work, uh, if it's offshore wind or solar, in the initial uh, stages, uh, government support is required by making acreage available to develop plants, but but at an early stage also to, um, uh, to, to make the business model work, let me put it like that. But that is even more important when you go to uh, value chains like hydrogen or carbon capture and storage. Uh, these technologies are still under development. 
Uh, the cost of course will need to come down over time. Uh, and the upfront investments is enormous. Um, plus, there's not a single player who can do it on their own. So this really requires deep collaboration between governments, industrial players and energy companies to get these value chains organized uh, and making sure that the investments happen so that over time these value chains are indeed happening and, and we can decarbonize those. Is the alignment there? Because you know, one might think that if the alignment was already there, if this was such an urgent top priority, then maybe we could have started this at least 10 years ago. Um, so I just wonder, across the, you know, the value system you talk about, uh, across the quite complex stakeholder ecosystem that you have, also with investors, by the way, um, is the alignment that this really is urgent, that we have to throw everything at this over the next 10 years? Do we have that yet? I think the alignment is improving. Um, but, but as you say, there, there, there's still plenty of dilemma. So what we see now in Europe happening on the back of the uh, energy crisis, uh, there's a, a realization that a way to diversify, a way to be m less dependent on energy supply from outside Europe uh, is renewable energy. Investing in offshore wind, investing in solar farms, investing in hydrogen. So you see governments really coming up with aggressive plans uh, to support uh, those activities. That's happening in the UK, that's happening in the Netherlands, that's happening uh, in the European Union, uh, who came up with a very ambitious plan uh, to give a boost to the energy transition. So you see governments are, are moving, but it will take time. A lot needs to happen. Uh, before a wind farm can actually be operational, before a solar farm can be operational, before it's connected to the grid, before the grid is ready and can take additional sources of power. Um, and you need to provide stability. There will always be a continued need for something like gas uh, to provide that, that stability in the mix. But governments are moving, they are stepping up, uh, and, and that is really important. When you say you, you mentioned shareholders, that, that's very interesting, of course, because we have a mix of shareholders are we have a set of stakeholders outside who are very clearly telling shell shell we want you to move faster and we believe the energy transition needs to move faster and we need to move faster but also shareholders um, are oil and gas shareholders they're used to a different level of uh, returns uh, a different risk profile and they can choose between shell bp total in europe but also chevron and exxon in the us who have a different vision and who position themselves differently. So for us, it's really important to come up with a compelling narrative for our stakeholders uh, in the government, in society, but also for our shareholders in such a way that we balance uh, the, 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 the needs of our shareholders, that we can continue to deliver the returns that they are used to, but at the same time play into the needs of the energy transition. And that is a very difficult balancing act. It is difficult. And speaking on this podcast series to, to so many business leaders in, in, in other uh, business sectors, for example, you know, many of them tell me that they have found a greater alignment, not, not so much a dilemma, actually, between keeping shareholders happy and doing the risk, you know, be, becoming a more responsible business. Uh, that is that when they shift their business to a more purpose-led agenda, um, even more decisively, even more deliberately, they are rewarded in the market by, by shareholders and by, by consumers. Is there a sense... You know, because I think for, for your for your industry, maybe some of the um, reputational issues around this have been challenging as well. So is there a sense that not only is this the right thing to do now, but if, if we can get this right, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to actually support our business as well, that these dilemmas start to fade away and, and, the, and, and the right thing becomes the obvious thing to do, even in business terms? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great question. And, and, and I think 
you're right. Uh, ultimately, there is no choice. Uh, the, it's absolutely clear that the world needs the energy transition to happen. And it's absolutely clear that the energy transition needs to happen faster than it is happening today. And we believe we are a central player in that energy transition. And we've been very vocal uh, about that, that we want to be that player. Um, so we uh, are powering progress uh, strategy, uh, as, as we call it, uh, is really centered on balancing um, uh, the needs for long-term energy security and able to, our ability to play into that uh, and invest in the energy transition and, and move at pace. We were the first uh, to come up with a very aggressive net zero emissions statement and very aggressive uh, carbon reduction uh, targets and, and commit ourselves to that. Uh, and we have also said that uh, we are going to change as a company. Um, and I believe that will mean that uh, from current investment levels that are already increasing uh, into uh, green power, uh, that, that will increase further in, in the next few years. And we've been pretty vocal about uh, that that will probably double and triple in the years to come. Um, but that needs to be balanced uh, with the ability to continue to provide energy security to our customers. And, and, and I think the balance is, is between investing in the energy transition, in green power value chains and hydrogen value chains more longer term. And at the same time, uh, gas will be at the core uh, of our company uh, where we continue to be uh, a, a big uh, player globally serving the needs of our customers in, in Asia, which will be there for, for a long, long time. But at the same time, helping our customers to gradually switch over from liquid natural gas to more green, to low carbon solutions like hydrogen, for example. But also we can have with credits. We can do a lot to um, to provide green credits uh, and, 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 and synthetically create um, uh, low carbon uh, LNG, uh, for example. And that way we can help our customers to decarbonize. That's the core of our strategy. And that's what we're going to do in decades to come. The challenge seems to be one of, of transition. I mean, the dilemma isn't, isn't about you know, where we should be in the long term, because there becomes even less of a dilemma between balancing energy security, of course, and transition in the, in the future, um, because you can help to secure other supplies of, of your energy, of course, if only the size of our green energy market and low carbon market was, was much bigger, then of course, we wouldn't have that dilemma even now. But we do. That's the reality of the world that we're living. And I just wonder, you know, going back to the, the position that we're in today, at least in Europe, around the energy crisis over, over the winter that's coming, and, and which, which also focuses the minds of governments, of course it does, that this is really important also for people right now. And so you, right now we have this dilemma a little bit. So is there a better understanding perhaps that, that the transition is going to take time and in the meantime we need to manage that transition in a way that's also very responsible um, so that also, understandably, has to somehow affect at least the pace um, that, that, that we make that, that big energy transition to low carbon solutions. Yeah, so I think that the, the, the sense of urgency is clearly there. Uh, I think the understanding is deepening. I think there's also um, quickly uh, a deeper understanding of how complex this is and what it takes. Uh, I, I believe that no, as I already said, no one company, industry, country can deliver the energy, energy industry, uh, transition on its own. Uh, and I see uh, increasingly that governments are stepping up uh, to the plate 
uh, coming with ambitious plans, but also backing that with, with the necessary funding. But they're also coming to you, Frank, at the same time to say, you know, we really do need to make sure that homes are heated this winter, right? So, so is there, a, at least in the short term, I, I, is there a, a conflict of priorities or at least a conflict of expectations from governments and your other major stakeholders? Are you feeling that? I think in the short term, it's very clear uh, what needs to be done, and that is to find ways of getting gas into the system and, and getting gas to the homes. And that's the absolute priority short term, and everybody is pulling together on that, including the industry and including Shell. That's what we're doing. Um, but we cannot afford to only focus on that. We need to accelerate initiatives to deliver the medium term and the long term agenda. Um, and, and I see that happening too. Of course, the, sh the short-term urgency is there, and, and that needs to be addressed, uh, full stop. Um, but in order to make the change that we need longer term, we also need to speed up those activities very quickly, and, and, and there's no, not much time to waste there. You said earlier, Frank, that is a tricky dilemma. Getting that absolutely right is difficult. You have dilemmas every day. You, you said that what guides you, perhaps, is, is each time you can come back to your purpose. Um, can you just explain that a bit more about how having, not just for a business like Shell, but how having a clear articulated purpose and staying true to that, how, how that can be a bit of a north star, a guiding star in the work that you do? Well, it, it's, it, it helps in different ways. It helps uh, to um, be very, to, to guide ourselves through the dilemmas um, where the short term need for more energy solutions is absolutely clear. Um, but also uh, that every day we need to balance that with initiatives to already start to create uh, the future energy uh, solutions. That, that is important. It helps with our investment decisions, but it also helps in our engagement with our own staff, who are, of course, also uh, engaged by friends and family about what Shell is doing in, in the current environment. So it helps our staff uh, to balance, um, uh, to, to come up with the right narrative and explain to their friends and family what we're doing, why we're doing it, and why it's the right thing to do for the world, shorter term, but also longer term. And it's important when we engage with our broader set of stakeholders, our shareholders, of course, but also with the NGOs, uh, the societies that, that, that we work in, to explain what we're doing and, and why our purpose is both directed at the short-term needs of those societies, but also to advocate for the changes that governments need to make in order to address the long-term needs. And all that goes back to the purpose we have. So it really helps us uh, both in the day-to-day -day decisions, but also in the way we engage internally and externally as a company on, on the dilemmas and choices we make and the beliefs we have. Well, Frank, you've been a, a great exponent of that purpose today. And, and uh, it's been fascinating listening to you about dealing with these short-term dilemmas, managing these these huge issues for society around security and, and, and transition as well. Thank you for your time today. Um, I'm sure many business leaders out there, as well as you know, people who, who maybe are, are fearing for how they heat their homes in the winter, will find, find your remarks um, very interesting, informative, also reassuring. So thank you for your time this morning. Thank you, Rob. It's great being here. Well, for an oil and gas giant like Shell, the notion of being a responsible business has enormous meaning for the business itself, the economy and our society at large. The challenge of making a successful green transition is big enough for most companies, but for Shell, it has become one of its defining modern purposes. And in terms of the scale and impact, this matters to us all. It really matters as we seek to shift our economies and way of life 
to a low carbon setting. Charles seems committed to this agenda for the long term, notwithstanding its transformative nature and the challenge involved. But of course, as we've been hearing from Frank this morning, its ability to affect people's lives on the strength of the strategic choices it's making runs even further than the goal of tackling climate change. Russia's invasion of Ukraine earlier this year and its consequential global impact on energy supply and cost is beginning to bite hard on businesses and the livelihoods of most people, at least here in Europe. So the urgent task of providing energy security has become as important as the focus on, en on energy transition, at least in the short term. This really matters for a company like Shell too, and managing the balance between these two priorities is no small task. For Shell, having a clear purpose acts as the guiding star towards a successful, more sustainable company over the long term, defined by its commitment on responsible business. Thank you for listening to another episode of Insights on Responsible Business. We hope you enjoyed it and will tune into our next episode. Please review us on Spotify, the iTunes podcast app, or whatever popular podcast app you're using. And find out more on Deloitte.nl. See you next time.